Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard the Financial Independence Podcast. G'day, and welcome to another episode of Captain Fire, the Financial Independence Podcast, where I open the cockpit to some of the best and brightest in personal finance, as well as those who have reached or are on their way to financial independence. Before we get started, remember, nothing said here is financial advice, and you should always do your own independent research before making any financial choices. With that being said, I hope you enjoy the episode and learn something new. This podcast is brought to you by the best portfolio tracking tool for Aussie investors. ShareSite makes it incredibly simple to track your portfolio with automatic updates of share purchases and dividends, easy-to-read graphs, and comprehensive tax and performance reporting, all wrapped up in an easy-to-use cloud-based system. For users with fewer than 10 holdings, it is completely free, and I even used the free version for years. Head over to captainfire.com forward slash ShareSite dash review to see if ShareSite is for you. Captain Fire listeners can score themselves four months of ShareSite Premium for free by using the bonus signup code in the article. If you do ever decide to hold more than 10 stocks, be sure to use this code to get your first four months for free. Even if you do only plan to use the free version, using the code means if you ever do upgrade, you will still get your four months for free. Ditch the Excel spreadsheet and complete your tax with a click of a button by signing up today. That's captainfire.com forward slash ShareSite dash review for your four free months. On board today, we have Richard Perrin, the owner and CEO of Paramark, a digital marketing agency based in Sydney. Richard and his team specialize in helping industrial tech and finance businesses grow through engaging web design, search engine optimization, and online advertising. Richard has had a similar background to me. He started off in engineering, but has actually been building websites since he was 15 years old. He left his full-time job back in 2019 to start his digital agency with his wife. And now, fast forward two years, he runs a business full-time with a team of seven people. This has enabled them to reach financial freedom and regain control over their life. He says he feels a lot better as he has time to spend raising his young family with his wife. We've talked a little bit on the show about online business and search engine optimization. So I'm really glad to welcome Richard to the show to talk all about this. Richard, how are you going, mate? I'm very good. Thank you, Captain Five, having me on the show. It's great to be part of this. No problems, mate. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from and how does one even get into this niche? And how did you know how to build websites when you were 15? Yeah, it's a good question. I grew up in Canberra and when I was in high school, we started looking at website design and I was in IT doing just basic HTML sites from a pretty young age. There was a number of different ways you could do it. Back then, you just did it straight in Notepad and you use that to create HTML documents which were rendered on screen. And then things got a little bit more complicated when we moved to tools like Dreamweaver. And then fast forward about... 
15 years and now we do all of our websites using open source software called WordPress, which is what I know you're very familiar with. So I started getting into website design, as I said, from quite young, but I went into engineering to start with because a lot of my family were in engineering. So it was an easy thing to jump straight into. I was sort of like analyzing things. I love numbers and solving problems. I started off with that and I was working full time as an engineer for about 10 years, but I was also very interested in my own business. I love selling stuff. I love helping people. And after a good 10 years, I just decided that I wanted to move into running my own business and putting the two things together that I loved, which was website design, sales, marketing, and engineering. I just decided that I think the best thing to do would be to to a digital marketing agency. That's why we started our business, Paramark, and that's why we have the sort of customers that we've got today, which a lot of them are in industry manufacturing because I really enjoy working with those types of customers and understand what their businesses are and who they serve. That's really interesting. What sparked that decision to change from what is a well-respected, high-paying professional engineering career into starting your own business? I wanted to start my business for a while. Originally, I was working and I thought I'd do property development. So we started off doing a lot of property development and that worked okay, but it was a lot more stressful than I wanted to deal with. I eventually worked out that I had these skills in website design and I ended up doing some additional training in website design and particularly with SEO that really accelerated the skills and made them a lot more marketable and a lot more profitable. Once I'd seen what other people had done, I realized that it was definitely something that I could do, that I could achieve. It really motivated me to want to start my business in digital marketing and website design. So I went from full-time engineering to part-time while I was running my business at the start. And then things were going so well that I eventually left the job and, and was doing the business full-time. Congratulations, man. That's the dream, isn't it? It's good to know that you had that option as well, because it's a pretty risky thing to just quit your job and dive headfirst, both feet into something new. So being able to go part-time is a pretty big thing, like in the FI community as well. People even have this concept of barista FI, where you're essentially working part-time. So it's awesome that you're able to do that, but then use that time to build up a business and replace your income. So I got to ask, where did you actually learn? You said you'd done courses in high school. Obviously, you've got an engineering degree. Did you learn more of this stuff at university? No. So I learned most of the website design to start with in high school. And I was just building my own websites for small little businesses that I tried when I was doing my work as an engineer. But then it really took until I did a business institute training that I really started to understand how to fit website design into SEO and using those skills to actually really help business and really start to get traffic and leads through websites. That was probably the one course that definitely helped me start my business up. There's so many different aspects aspects of digital marketing and websites and online and you can get a little bit lost in them and I felt like after I did the course it really solidified how I was going to go forward with my business and what does and doesn't matter when it comes to getting leads for local business all the way up to getting traffic to your own website that promotes products or sells stuff through e-commerce. Yeah now it's interesting it was probably a bit of a loaded question because I've also done that course and I found it pretty helpful. I'd done a little bit of website stuff myself before, but obviously doing that and having the help from Matt and Liz has really accelerated my personal strategy and online business. But from chatting offline, we do things a little bit differently. Your model of making money, you've described as an agency. And the way I'm making money online is what we call that portfolio sites. 
So I was just wondering if you would mind elaborating a bit more on those different kinds of ways people make money online. What is an agency? What's a portfolio site? What's a lead gen? What's a, a listing directory? All those kind of things. Yeah, it's a really good question. So there's two different ways you can go about it. You can make money online by essentially helping another business to get more leads, get more traffic, get more sales through their own business website, or you can do it for yourself. I started off doing this for other businesses because it was quite an easy and quick way to get into the market. And because I wanted to replace my income, it was a lot faster to do things that way. And it also gave me the opportunity to use a lot of the skills that I learned in engineering to actually be able to go back and help these types of businesses to succeed and make a lot of income through their own business. So there are different ways you can do it. And the way that you've done it, I think is really great as well, because it means that you can potentially have these websites that are just ticking away, making passive income and don't require as much effort. To be honest, I love both sides of it. I really do enjoy working on websites. I think a lot of people, once they actually get into it, they just realize how interesting it is and how much opportunity there is. I guess the reason why I've gone down the path that I have is because I need income. (laughs) And also I do genuinely enjoy working with the businesses that I've had the privilege to work with. Okay, so an agency model That is where you are essentially helping a business to reach more customers. So essentially you're running their website for them. Is that right? That's right. You can do a lot of different things for them. So when you get into digital marketing, you realize how many services you actually can provide. The main things that I provide are website design and redesign and search engine optimization. But there's a lot of other things you can do as well. There's people that provide Google Ads support. We do a bit of that, but there's people that specialize purely in Google Ads. There's social media, there's email marketing. There's a lot of different ways that you can actually get more people to find a business online. The reason why I love search engine optimization is because it means that you're using the strengths of the business to essentially sell itself. In my words, if you're trying to put terms of the customer inside the business, when someone is actually looking for, say, a car, you're using the type of language that a customer is looking for on the business's website to help people find that business. A lot of businesses don't necessarily think about how they're wording the information online. They might use a lot of their own terminology that a customer doesn't necessarily search for. And that's often why businesses have trouble actually reaching people organically through their websites because they're not using the sort of language that a customer actually searches for online. No, that's a really important point. And I remember learning a little bit about this in engineering communications lessons. I'm guessing you probably had to go through the same stuff where we were forced to essentially do a little bit of English and marketing whilst we were learning engineering amongst all the sort of maths and thermodynamics to be able to effectively communicate. So it sounds like an agency is there to help a business communicate with their customers and probably your background in engineering has led you to that. Yeah, that's right. I think for a lot of engineers, they struggle to actually put their services in the terms of their customers and they probably have trouble focusing on what are the benefits of what they do. In engineering, you look at quantifiable terms like what does something do what's it made of how does it work does it meet the specifications whereas from a marketing perspective a customer is probably more concerned about how that service is actually going to help them what are the benefits going to be to them is it going to make from a productivity point of view is it going to help increase production is it going to reduce the defect rate is it going to integrate easily with other systems in the process i try to look at things from how we're actually going to sell the product or the service to the end customer and what we need to do to make the business's service and products most appealing. Interesting. So winding up just a bit, 
Okay, so that's effectively an agency and that's where you are running their websites for them, enabling them to communicate more effectively to essentially get more customers. And presumably you get a percentage of the sales. Sometimes. There's a range of different business models. For most agencies, they usually charge an ongoing fee for their services. They might charge a monthly fee for doing, say, search engine optimization services, which we do. Or they might charge a fee for doing social media management or for managing their Google Ads account or for doing email marketing for them. It's more typical that that happens. Sometimes when you get a business that you've worked with for a very long time or they specifically request it, you might look at doing a commission-based arrangement. But from my experience, it's usually a monthly fee that gets charged. Okay. And so by running an agency, once you have basically collected enough customers, monthly recurring fee, once you've deducted your costs, obviously, of running the business, that is what you then use to pay yourself. Yeah, that's right. And for an agency like us, there's two main sources of income. We help businesses build better websites or upgrade their existing websites. And we also help them with ongoing SEO services to help them reach more customers online. For us, they're probably about the same in terms of the amount of income that we get. And then after that, we subtract the costs of our own software, hosting, because we host a lot of the websites that we build for our clients, and then staff costs as well. We have a lot of staff in Australia and we make sure that we hire really good people. Staff costs for us are reasonably high too. And then after that's done, we leave money to reinvest in the business. And then I pay myself out of the residual income. Okay, I like it. You're focusing on quality. Obviously, we talked about the triangle costs, quality and time. It's good to hear that you're prioritizing the quality. I don't know. You've obviously had a look at the Captain Fire website, Richard. Maybe I need to employ you to redesign that and make that look a little bit better because it's a bit average, I think. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> well, thank you well for you. I think this is the thing that you got to understand as well. Like, There's so many different things you can do with a website. You can make a website look the best possible for visual appeal but it's not necessarily required i often see particularly for what you'd call portfolio sites where they're informational websites that provide info to people that read it they're looking for answers to different questions they range from pretty normal to really visually appealing but often they can get just the same amount of visitors or traffic it also extends to businesses as well i've even seen some business websites where it actually looks too good like people go to the site and they're like I don't know if this is the right business. I have definitely felt put off by what I've felt as to be really slick marketing in the past. I know mm. I'm probably a little bit irrational about certain things. I watch a fair bit of YouTube. Some of the videos that flush up on YouTube, these services, they're so flashy. And I'm like, how much money have they spent on advertising? Like for example, super companies and junk food companies, they advertise stuff and they make it look so good. And you go, yeah, it's a little bit too much spin on that. I did want to say something that I heard in one of Matt's boot camps recently. Ugly sites make money. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They still make good money. I've seen business websites that don't look that great. They still get amazing conversions through the website. Us personally, we put a lot of effort and time into making sure that the businesses that we work with have the best possible site that we can get them. But sometimes you can sacrifice performance and conversion for visual appeal. And that's not something that I want to do. Yeah, speed is important. There's so many times I've clicked a link on social media and it's taken five seconds to load and I'm just like, boom, I'm out of there. I'm not going to bother for that screen to load. So speed is really important for me. Okay, so backing up, that is agencies and then portfolio sites. So what is your definition of a portfolio site? A good definition of a portfolio site is a website that you own that doesn't represent another business. It's a site that delivers information to customers that are searching for problems, searching for solutions to problems, 
they're looking for the right type of car to buy or they're looking for the right type of exercise equipment to use. They might be looking for tips on how to toilet train their kids. And it's a site that either through advertising on the site or through affiliate sales makes money for the website owner. Yeah, the sites that I own all fall into that category of information and monetized through Google AdSense, Amazon Associates and other affiliate programs can 100% recommend. I found that it can be very slow in the beginning. And I think, Richard, that's what you alluded to earlier is that you went down the agency model because it provides quicker cash flow. Is that correct? Yeah, look, it's certainly easier, I think, to build up cash flow faster in my experience because you can get in and help a business immediately and they can see very quick results from the work that you've done, particularly for local business. And it enables you to essentially get paid immediately as well. Whereas for a lot of portfolio sites, they're global, which means that you're competing with a lot of other websites online. Instead of just competing, say, in one particular suburb in one city in Australia, you might be competing with thousands of different websites for a particular topic. It doesn't mean that portfolio sites aren't lucrative. They're certainly very lucrative, but the time that it takes to get results firstly for the website is longer. And from a business model, you don't get paid for a portfolio site just because it looks good and you've done everything right. Whereas for a business website, you can get paid immediately by doing a good job that's going to ultimately help the customer. Yeah, exactly. So I've seen with some of my portfolio sites here we are like six, 12 months down the track and I've seen zero income. Whereas some other ones have just like really gone gangbusters. But in my experience, it's taken a very long time. Like it took me, I think nearly two years to really see income from the portfolio sites. Okay. And then there was a couple other ones I wanted to ask you about. So I've heard the term lead gen and I've heard the term rank and rent. Are they the same thing? question. So there's a lot of different business models for helping small business and even larger businesses to get more customers. The easiest and most common way is when you go in and help their website get more customers, get more leads directly. That's very common. I'm sure everyone understands that concept, but there's other ways that you can do it as well. Some agencies actually have websites that they build that aren't for a specific business. They might get leads, say, for people that are interested in getting a plumber to help them. And they would then give those leads to a local plumber to help them get more business for themselves. So it's more of an indirect way of actually helping out a local business and helping them reach more customers. I've seen this actually directly because I was looking at upgrading the solar panels on my mum's house and I can't remember the name of the website. It was like solarquote.com or solarpower.com. Yeah, yeah, and basically I gave them my details and then they went out and got three quotes for me and then those three people came and quoted. So I'm assuming that is a lead gen website. That's what you would call a lead generation site. That's a very well-known one, actually. And there's other ones like High Pages, OneFlare, where people are looking for particular services and they go to a website that's going to enable them to be connected with those businesses. A slightly different model it would be like a rank and rent type website where someone might make a business just for, say, like a, a particular type of lawyer. So let's say a construction lawyer. They might just make a generic website and then find a law firm that does a lot of work in construction law and puts their business name, puts their phone number on that website. And the value that they're adding is that they've done all of the design and the SEO to enable that website to actually rank. And by doing that, it means as soon as a business works with them, ideally, they're getting leads from day one. Ah, perfect. But then you as the owner of that website ultimately control that IP. 
So you're just contracting out the use of that website to basically generate leads. Yeah, essentially. So you would just be renting out that website to another business and putting their branding on that website or putting their business name and phone number on that website. So that's definitely one way that some agencies work. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I think that's a pretty good summation of a few of the different marketing or I should say business structures there are for making money online. You also mentioned email marketing and GMB marketing. Did you want to just touch quickly on those as well? Yeah, sure. So this is probably getting in a bit deep for SEO, but for local businesses, the biggest thing from our experience that gets them more calls and gets them more leads is local SEO. And a lot of that is done through Google Maps. So for instance, imagine you're looking for a cafe, you might put cafe into Google search and then you'll see a couple of cafes come up near your location in what we call the maps pack, which is where you see right now there's three different listings for local cafes. You might also put cafe straight into Google Maps directly, and then you'll see a list of cafes come up in the Google Maps results. And that's called local SEO. And from what we've seen, that's where a lot of customers actually click through first to find a business because the main thing is it actually displays the location, which is really important for local search, and it displays the rating. So by optimizing that and helping a business's Google Maps listing come up higher in search results, we're able to give them the best possible chance of reaching a customer. So very powerful for local search and it's actually a different algorithm to a website that's self-ranking in Google. Uh, okay, interesting. Look, and it is important as well, Richard, I have made decisions about whether I'm going to use a company based off those reviews. And a lot of the time, I'm super lazy. I've got my parents and older family members and I'll say, oh, I'll go to this shop, go down the road and there'll be a gum tree with a fork in it. There's a yellow sign, go left 60 paces to the west and then you'll find the shop there. And I'm just like, mm-hmm, nodding. Yep. Okay. Thank you for those directions but really I'm just going to chuck it into Google. And that's really helpful and it saves me a lot of time. On the flip side to that, if I've had like really shitty service, I'm going to leave a bad review. I'm sorry. Like I know how devastating that is, but if you genuinely done me wrong, I'm going to put an honest review out there. And I really appreciate everyone who does that because it's almost like Uber, right? It keeps everyone accountable. You rate the driver rates you. So it's like this peer review economy. Yeah, I think it's really important. And there's a lot of credibility from what I've seen in particularly Google reviews. There's lots of different places that people can review a business. There's True Local, there's Facebook, Yelp, Yellow Pages. But to be honest, none of them come up directly in Google search results. Whereas if you look for a plumber, Google Maps reviews are going to come up first. So Google reviews can actually make or break a business. And they also contribute to how high a business ranks as well. So if you have a business, let's say like a cafe or like a mechanic or something, and you actually go and see them all the time, guarantee the biggest favor you can do them is to actually leave them a good Google Maps review. That's a really good advice, Richard. So from a business point of view, how do they deal with fake reviews? Is that a thing? It's very hard. There's ways of requesting removal on Google. There's also legal routes as well. Thankfully, we haven't had to deal too much with that in my business or the businesses that we've dealt with. It can really affect a business though. And there are specialist agencies that actually do go in and try and remove particular reviews. Wow, that's definitely going down the rabbit hole. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question, right? What is SEO and why does it matter? Very good question. So... SEO is, in my words, helping a website rank higher in Google for specific search terms. Okay, so why does specific search terms matter? 
Because a website can rank for anything. So you could have a plumber that ranks for a local dog show if they have the right words on the website, but that's not going to bring them very relevant traffic. The important thing with SEO is getting relevant and important search terms, getting that business to actually rank for those. So for a plumber, probably the biggest thing that they want to rank for is the search term plumber. And by helping them to rank higher for those types of search terms, you're getting people that are actively looking for those types of services to find the business. So let's say you do search plumber. The first thing that's going to come up is the Google ads. That's a strategy in its own to actually get good results through Google ads. But the next thing that'll come up will be the maps pack. And that's the top three local results for where you're searching from. Then underneath that is the most relevant website results. There's different strategies for Google maps results and website results. So SEO means getting the business to get more of the right type of leads through the website. The difference between good SEO agencies and bad SEO agencies is a good SEO agency actually cares what happens when the customer comes to the website because it is not enough to get people to get to your website. You want to get them leads. I've seen heaps and heaps of websites where they actually rank really high. But to be honest, I can't see how they're ever going to get any calls or inquiries from those visitors because there's no email buttons, there's no phone buttons, there's no contact forms. So ultimately, it's a fail. Whereas a good SEO agency will take the traffic that a website gets, increase it, and then get them more leads. Ultimately, any business wants more leads, wants more potential customers. Yeah, that's a really good point. So it's not just about getting people to your site. It's actually about giving them the information that they want to make a transaction. So what are some tips that people can do to improve their SEO? It's a difficult question because you need to know what you actually want to rank for to start with. If you own a business, it'll be a matter of finding out what are actually the relevant keywords for your business. Sometimes it's easy. Let's say you are a plumber. Obviously, the search term that you want to rank for is plumber. But you might have a more complicated business where what you do and what people search for are two different things. It's important to know what people are searching for and what particular searches are going to result in a sale as easily and as fast as possible. And that's where either doing some keyword research yourself, which is possible to do for free, or engaging the services of an SEO professional can actually help. That's one of the main things that we do for people. If you do know what keywords you do actually want to rank for and what are going to want to matter, it's important to actually use them on the website. I've seen businesses and they don't use any words whatsoever related to their business business on their website. You can literally make a difference within weeks or months to their bottom line just by including relevant terms on their website. There are other factors as well that are important for SEO. Website speed is definitely important these days. References from other websites are definitely important as well. So websites that link back to your website is really important. But the crux of it is using relevant terms on your website that's actually going to be found by Google and is relevant to what people are searching for that's going to ultimately make you money. Okay, so in a nutshell, it's about giving people what they want, not what you think they want. Exactly. Yeah, okay, awesome. All right, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk a bit about yourself. How do you personally make money online and whether you've been able to replace your income? So the way I make money online is through our business. It's not necessarily online income, it's business income. And the business has very specific services with online marketing. Then I pay myself a wage from that essentially. It's enough to replace the income that I used to have in my old job. It wasn't immediate. It takes a while in any business to actually be able to pay yourself a salary. And a lot of business coaches say it'll probably take about two years before you can even take a salary. And that's because even though you might start 
receiving income. There's also expenses that go with that. And then you might want to retain income to reinvest in your business and do more things. And that was definitely the case for us. So when I first started the business with my wife, there was a lot of expenses that we had. There was income that we had, but we were very focused on our goal of being able to grow the business and help other businesses online. We continued to reinvest in the business and their own marketing and our staff and our team. Ultimately, it's been able to allow us to get enough income where I can essentially work full-time in the business. We can employ a really good team and I don't need to do any part-time work or anything like that for us to have enough money. That's pretty impressive. So in basically just under two years, you've essentially reached financial freedom. We talk a lot about financial independence being this magical number of investments or whatever that once we get that level of passive income, we can quit our jobs and just drink margaritas on the beach or whatever. But it sounds like you're obviously quite passionate about your job and you're still working. It's not like you've quit your job and it's fully passive. You still are putting effort into it. But now you're able to run your own business, live your life on your own terms. That's got to be a good feeling, right? Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing is more freedom. So it's not that I had a bad job before. I did really enjoy my previous job, but I want wanted more freedom to do what I wanted to do and to be able to use the skills that I had to help people more directly. The biggest thing that I find rewarding is looking at some of the businesses that we've worked with and how we've been able to help their bottom line. One of the businesses that I first worked with when I started our agency was a robotics business and we helped them grow significantly and actually double their sales over a period of 18 months and seeing the impact on them was really rewarding for me. Does that mean double their profits? Sales and profits, as you see in business, are two different things. Their profits went up significantly as well, but they're also able to reinvest a lot of the sales income that they had into growing their own business and reinvesting as well. So in terms of their return on investment for your service, is that like they made their money back by double or how would you describe their ROI on engaging an agency for their online marketing? I haven't done that number actually. Based on their turnover before and after we started, it's probably... At least a 10 times ROI. Holy moly. All right, let's get you working on my sites, please, Richard. (laughs) That's pretty exciting. Another question I have for you, Richard, what are some of the pitfalls and challenges you face with running a business and especially an online business? I think with any business, the two things that really make a big difference, the people that you've got and the, the systems that you've got. And I've spent a lot of time trying to develop those and get them as good as possible. What a lot of people find difficult when they first start business and definitely in digital business like this is that you can do everything yourself, but you run into a brick wall very fast with what you've got the capacity to do. And I think there's really a limit with how many businesses you could work with or how many different websites you could actually run if you only did the work yourself. And sure, the costs are less, but you'd end up working a huge amount as well. I started to really invest in the team that I had probably from word go and also the systems that we had as well, because you can give tasks to people but without a good system of actually doing the work and people understanding what's required, they can waste a lot of their time because you haven't been clear enough with what needs to be done. For me, getting the right people in the team and having the right systems in place to help everyone do the best job possible has been the biggest and continuing challenge for my business. I can definitely relate to that. I'm trying to learn how to better outsource and automate. And we mentioned the eBusiness Institute earlier. That's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away is learning how to effectively outsource and build a good team. Yeah, hit the nail on the head right there. 
So is there anything you wish you'd known before, firstly, before you started your career in engineering? I know you've been interested in online business and websites since you were 15 years old in high school, or of course, taking the decision into 2019 to start your agency. If you could go back in time and tell yourself, what would you say? I've thought about that question a lot and it's hard to say. You could go straight into a business straight from school or even during school, which a lot of very successful people have done. But it's hard to know whether the experiences that I've had since my career and the people that I've met have been essential to where I am as well. I think if I had my time again, I would have invested even more and done more research and education in online skills. I think for the type of interest that I had, I could have started what I'm doing a lot sooner, uh, that'd be sure. But at the same time, I'm really grateful for the career and the opportunities and the people that I've met already because take engineering, the only reason why I'm able to help a lot of the industrial and manufacturing businesses that I work with is because of the skills that I've had through doing a degree in engineering and also working in the field. Yeah, I like it, man. And anyone who's listening who is an expert or professional or just has an interest or hobby in something that might give you inspiration to start an online business relating to whatever niche you're specializing in. All right, so we're going to shift gears again now because it wouldn't be the Captain Fire podcast if I didn't get all nosy and start asking about your personal finances. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So Richard, what is your personal investing preferences? Like how do you invest your money? Okay, so that's a good question. From fairly early on, I started in property. I bought a property when I was 23 in Queensland. The first time you invest in something, there's always things that you wish you knew and you might do differently. I think it's important to start an investment journey as early as possible and at least learning some of the steps. The other things that I invest in are shares and I've done that specifically since knowing you and listening to your success and I've been really happy to see how they've performed. I also have websites that we own that earn us passive or semi-passive income. And then I make money through the business as well. Oh, awesome. So you don't just run the agency, you also invest in the portfolio sites as well. Yeah, that's right. So we've got a couple of portfolio sites. They're not a huge amount of our income, but purely because we haven't dedicated as much time on them as we have a lot of our business customers, but they do make us a bit of income. And as we get the opportunity, we go through and improve them and they'll grow increasing the amount of income that they give us as well. Do you have a side hustle? My side hustle is websites, a form of digital real estate. If you want to learn more about this lucrative side hustle, check out my review of the eBusiness Institute and their online self-paced courses. They cover everything from total beginners right through to advanced web design and how to buy, renovate, and sell websites for profit. As a graduate of Matt and Liz's courses, I can't thank them enough for the valuable web skills they gave me, and now I enjoy growing my portfolio of websites for income. Captain Fire listeners can register for free access to some of these courses by signing up using the link at www.captainfire.com forward slash ebusiness institute review. Build your portfolio of digital real estate and start using websites to make money today. Yeah, that's great. And one of the things I found in my experience is that the older uh, domain is or the longer that content has been around, Google tends to like take it more seriously as well. Is that kind of right? Those things should just get better over time, right? As long as you keep providing content on them. It's a good SEO question, to be honest. I don't know if there's really an answer to it. I think for me, with older websites and older domains, there's more opportunity for them to get backlinks from other sites. So often you see older domains that perform better for that reason. There's often, this is, who knows if it's a case or not, because Google never tells us, but 
I feel there's also a bit of a sandbox period where if you start a website from scratch, particularly if it's like an affiliate site and there's a lot of competition online, it may take six months before you start seeing it get picked up in Google. A lot of people seem to comment on that from being their experience. So an older domain, I would say, has an advantage because it's gone through that sandbox period, if it does exist, and potentially has backlinks as well. Uh, Okay. And that's what you mentioned about having the backlinks to get higher in the Google search. Yeah, that's right. So when there's a lot of competition, just having the right terms on a page might not be enough. You might find that there's other pages, other websites that people have got that have just as good content or better. And then it comes down to, well, who's more authoritative? And the only way that Google can see who's more authoritative is who actually refers to that website. Like you look at very well-known websites and news websites and a lot of people link to those websites because they're seen as a source of information and they increase in their authority. And it's the same kind of concept for a portfolio site as well, in my opinion. Oh, wow. So it sounds like it's hard to break into it. But once you get into it, because you're the authority, you're going to get more backlinks and then you're going to be perceived as the authority. (laughs) That's it. It is. It can be a little bit like that. It's not impossible. And I think a lot of people try and game the system to get links back to their site. But networking is actually, I think, a really great way to get started because you think about how does another website link to another website? There's two ways. So the first one could be that they're looking for information on a topic, the website comes up and they cite that page or they link to that page as a reference. The other way it might be is if someone that's in a similar industry or a similar niche to you and you want to collaborate on some content or a particular article and refer to them, And that's a way that a website can get a link as well. When we're looking at building links for a business or for a website, one of the great ways that you can start is just literally by collaborating and networking to get more great links back to your website. Ah, yes. Now there are networking groups I've heard of. Do you use them and are they worth it? I'm a really big believer in networking. I think for any business, two of the most important skills you can have, I think, are sales and networking. Because to start with, it can be hard to get new customers and sales without word of mouth. I've definitely been a big believer in networking and I've made a point of trying to increase my network since I left my job. And networking for me is definitely a big part of how I develop my business. I'm actually really glad that this has come up because in the fire community, I've definitely found myself being at times ultra frugal and in some instances, cutting my nose off despite my face, for want of a better term, in that sacrificing some of those expensive dinners or networking drinks and events where had I have gone to those things, I may have been able to expand my network better. And what I've actually found is since delving into leaving full-time work essentially is that I'm trying to prioritize more of those networking events and I've actually found myself being happier to spend larger amounts of money going to these kind of functions, trying to have drinks and that kind of stuff because it's actually really helping my online business. I just can't help but be reminded of that old adage of people on the golf course doing business deals on the greens. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm much of a golfer just yet. The networking will give you opportunities that would never have come along before. They'll give you opportunities to collaborate on a business that you might never have had access to. They'll let you meet people that have got businesses that you can help if you're in an agency like me, or if you've got a website that you're doing, it might be an opportunity to collaborate with them on an article or a video or something like that. And that's really where you can help increase the audience that you've got and the authority that you've got. Yeah, awesome. So investing in your networks is another way that you personally invest your money. Money and time, it's basically the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You mentioned shares. It made me feel really good when you said that you started getting into shares from reading my stuff. So thanks, blushing over here. 
When we talk about shares, would you want to elaborate a little bit on your personal investing preference in the share market? Yeah, with pleasure. So I, along with probably a lot of other people, when I first got into it, thought I could successfully pick my own stocks. And I figured, I'm an engineer, I'm smart, I can do this. And you actually warned me not to do it. And you said, mate, just choose ETFs. Much easier, much safer. And I was like, no, I know better. And I've since come to eat my words and I've moved everything into ETFs and it was the best decision I ever made. Oh, congratulations. Look, I did the exact same thing. I tried to pick stocks and then I think I actually even paid for stock picking subscription services. I should probably stop mentioning what they were because I don't think they were very happy about me talking about them, but ending up underperforming the market. Yeah, and just with this sort of an admin nightmare. So simplifying the investments has helped me personally. It's almost like a little bit of minimalism when it comes to investing. Mm, that's right. Yeah, awesome. Okay, and so properties, are you still actively a property investor as in Australian real estate? Yeah, so we still invest in property. We've got properties that we own. Like I said at the start, we tried doing property development to see if that could be a, a way that we could build our wealth and build our income. I found it quite difficult myself with property development. For us, I think I'd just be looking at investing in property going forward because it's more passive. Whereas when you're trying to create new buildings or split up land to try and unlock the value in them, there's a lot of hurdles you've got to overcome and a lot of different jobs you've got to do, which not everyone knows going into it. Oh, absolutely. Preaching to the choir, mate. I had tried my hand in that and thankfully it's worked out for me, but it's just taken a little bit longer and has been a little bit more active than I thought it was going to be. So it's really interesting to hear your perspective on that. And is there any other asset classes that you invest in? Like, I know if you're really smart about websites, what's your thoughts on things like, say, crypto, NFTs? I'm really interested, particularly in NFTs. I guess I've been burnt before in investments. I guess from a little while ago, I just made the decision that I wouldn't invest in anything unless I really understood it. A lot of people have made a lot of money in crypto and NFTs, and that's obviously worked out very well for them. But I made a decision not to actually do anything like that until I understood the market a little bit more. Because there's a lot of people that have made money in cryptocurrency, but there's also people that have lost money through one reason or another. Yeah, it's a very wise. I remember reading something similar from Warren Buffett saying, don't invest in things you don't understand. So what about, I know, any other weird exotic ones that are invested in like artwork or wine or cars or anything like that? No, actually, no, nothing. <laughs> That's pretty much it. The biggest investments that we've probably made have been in property and business and with our website portfolio. Nice. It's funny, as I say that, I just remembering, I'm pretty sure I do have a big stack of Pokemon cards somewhere in a box in my apartment. And I'm really keen to actually see, because apparently they could be worth something. Uh, anyway, yeah, you never know. Pokemon yeah. cards these days, they could be worth a lot of money. Yeah, man. All right. So look, I really appreciate your time. I like to finish up all interviews by asking my guests the same couple of questions. So the first one I want to ask is just flat out, what are your top financial tips for someone who's on the path to financial independence and who wants to build their wealth and better themselves? I think there's probably three. The first one is education. So educating yourself, learning about different strategies, how they can work, what the risks are, and that will give you more information before you actually start investing. The next one would be mindset with just wealth in general. 
I think the mindset's actually more important than whatever vehicle you use to try and build wealth or become financially free because you can quite easily be your own undoing. You could walk into an inheritance and invest all the money in shares and still botch it if your mindset is not right. Trying to achieve a mindset that's going to help you actually become wealthier and grow, I think is really important. That's something that I've focused on a lot since leaving my job and even before then. And then the last one is just to give it a go because I think there's so many different things that you can do. And if you just don't take action until ever, then you're never going to achieve anything. A lot of different things, you just give it a go. And I've made my share of mistakes. And I know anyone in business has made a huge amount of mistakes as well. And anyone who's an investor has made a huge amount of mistakes. But it's really the only way you can learn. I think just giving it a go, even when you're not sure about something, is important. I really appreciate you sharing those, Richard. Really struck a chord with me, mate, because I know early on when I started my websites and blogging about fire, I focused so heavily on the nitty gritty and I was really zoomed in. But the more experience I gain and the more smart people that I talk to, like yourself, and then I'm able to interview the really successful ones, they basically say what you just said, mindset, education, and giving it a go. It's really struck a chord with me. So I just... Wanted to say thank you so much for sharing that, mate. My pleasure. <laughs> All right, last question. Who or what has been the biggest influence on your path to financial independence? Probably two things. I remember when I was, I think about 24, I was watching a seminar by Robert Kiyosaki that one of my friends just put on the TV and I had no kind of real concept or idea about how a lot of these different things worked and how businesses and investments worked. I just figured that you just work really hard, you make lots of money and that's kind of it. Watching that and I guess then reading Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki was probably the start of everything for me. In terms of who has really influenced me, it would probably be Matt and Liz from the eBusiness Institute. The course that they ran, I found extremely valuable. And the biggest value I got from that was the mindset and the business skills about actually being able to make money through business, through online business, through websites. There's a lot that I've gotten out of that has led me to where I am today. That's awesome, man. I can relate to almost everything that you said there. It took me a long time to actually understand Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think I read the book a few times I got really angry and threw the book across the room because I'm like, what does pay yourself first mean? It took me a while to figure out what that actually meant. But that's amazing, dude. And look, I got to say, Matt and Liz have really helped me with mindset as well. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate you being so honest and transparent with everything today. Lastly, is there anything you want to chat about that we haven't spoken today before we finish up? The other one that's probably interesting to talk about is the difference between active and passive investments. It took me a little while to figure this out, but there's passive investments out there and there's active ones. Like shares are a very passive investment because you put your money in, you get the dividends, hopefully the stock goes up, you might hopefully get dividends as well, but you don't have to do anything. Property is reasonably passive as well because you can, assuming it's a good property and you have good tenants, you can own the property, you get the rental income, you pay the, the interest on the loan if you've got one, and hopefully there's a profit there for you. But not all investments are necessarily as passive like that. If you take the example of developing a property, there's a lot of work that goes into that and you might make money out of that, but it's something that's taken a lot of your time. And the same is true with other types of investments as well. When we talk about building and owning a website portfolio, I love those types of investments, but they are actually active. There's work that you've got to do in there. You can let them sit for a while, but they perform the best when you do a bit of work on them. And for a website portfolio, there's definitely not that much work involved with them, but it's not like you can just put your money in and then pull the ATM and let the money come out. And when people get out of trying to get out of a job and just live on passive income, one of the big traps is that 
they get into investments which are actually active. And instead of saving them time, they actually take up even more time because the investment itself requires so much time and energy that they might as well have just stayed in a job and bought some shares or something. Knowing what's actually an active investment that's going to consume a lot of your time and what's a passive investment that's just going to make you money while you sleep is really important to know before you get into it. Very wise words. I think I made a mistake similarly with a couple of websites that I bought thinking that I could just get them and I would have to do absolutely nothing to them. And it was not a lot of work. Still, for me at the moment, I'm spending about maybe one or two days a month. So that's pretty good, but it still does require some active. So yeah, really good point. I'm really glad that you brought that up. So Richard, where can people get in touch with you and learn more about your agency? Yeah, sure. So you can go to my website, paramark, P-A-R-A-M-A-R-K.com.au. And that's our website. So you can find out more about what we do, what sort of businesses that we work with and what sort of services that we provide. And if you wanted to get in contact with us, you can call us on our number or contact us through our contact form on the website. Oh, .com.au, baller. I've, all of my sites are just .coms. So interesting. Why'd you go with the .com.au? Okay, so .com.au is typically used for Australian businesses, whereas .com is often used for like blogs, affiliate sites, e-commerce sites that have a global reach. If you're looking for a local business or an Australian business, some people, not everyone, actually do specifically look for a .au just to confirm that it is an Australian business. Oh, there you go. Last little nugget of wisdom from Richard from Paramark. (laughs) Awesome. Look, there'll be show notes on the Captain Fire website as well. So there'll be links to that. I'll put the number for Paramark if anyone's interested in having a chat to him. And I'm pretty sure I've seen your name come up in quite a lot of SEO forums. I'm pretty sure you've answered a lot of my questions online as well, haven't you, Richard? Yeah, I might be on Financial Independence Facebook group. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right, again, thank you so much for your time, mate. It's been awesome to learn about some of the different business models online. It's been great to talk about SEO and I've certainly taken away a whole bunch of good stuff myself. So again, thanks very much for your time, mate. Thanks for having me, Captain Fly. Definitely appreciate it. Cheers, bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Captain Fi Financial Independence Podcast. To read the transcripts or check out the show notes, head over to www.captainfi.com for all the details. If you have a question for the captain, make sure to get in touch. You might even make it on the airwaves. You can reach me online through the Captain Fi contact form or get in touch through the socials. I'm active on Facebook and Instagram, as well as a number of online finance and investing forums. And finally, remember, the information presented on the show and the links provided for general information purposes only. They should not be taken as constituting professional financial advice. You should always do your own research when making any financial decisions and make sure it's appropriate for your personal circumstance. 